Welcome to the Troy Chi Alpha Podcast, reconciling students to Christ, transforming the university, the marketplace, and the world. In today's episode, you'll be listening to our sermon delivered at this week's Wednesday Night Worship. Hey, thanks for joining us uh, tonight. I want to start uh, with a story that's okay. Um, so a few years back, my wife and I, we decided that um, we wanted our family to keep growing. And so in order to accommodate that, we were going to need a bigger space. And so we started looking at our options and we decided that it'd be in our best interest to build a new house. And so we went about the things you have to do to build a house. We found someone to build the house and we began uh, designing the house and we did all of those things and we went to all the meetings where you decide, okay, is the door going to go this way and where's the, the wall outlet going to go and which switch is going to go where. And we did all those uh, things and we got everything uh, taken care of and we signed a contract and we took that contract to a bank and we said, hey, we'd like to borrow some money. This is what we need it for. This is the house. And we did all those things and we signed the paperwork and triplicate and uh, did all the things you need to do and everything was squared away. And then it came time. Uh, for them to come out and begin the process of building the house. And uh, when they came out, um, the contractor, he said, hey, we have a problem. Uh, you have too much sand. Your soil is too sandy. And they're like, hey, we thought you checked on this. This was supposed to be taken care of. And he said, well, actually, you know, we couldn't have known this, uh, but you have lots of sand and you don't have a good uh, soil foundation to build the foundation of your house on. And so he gives us an estimate. He says, actually, it's going to cost us about $10,000 more than uh, what your contract is for and what your loan is for, for you to build this house. And, um, you know, I, I just felt like at that moment, it was like a punch in the gut. Like we had already been invested. We already paid the down payment. We already got the loan approved. We've already done all this work. And we're already really a long ways into this. And then out of nowhere, it's like, hey, it's just another ten grand. Uh you know, and I, you know, just thinking, wow, I don't, I don't have an extra ten grand. Uh, I don't know where I'm going to get ten grand. Um, and so then I started thinking, like, okay, so I'm a little frustrated. Uh, frustrated is the word you use when you don't want to say angry, but I was angry. I was frustrated, and then I started to maybe worry a little bit, like, okay, so now what? What's going to happen? So. What happens if I can't finish this house? What happens if I can't come up with the money? What if there's a not, not another solution? What's my wife going to say? She's going to hate me. She's going to be angry. How's this going to affect our marriage? Um, am I going to file for bankruptcy? And it just kind of kept spiraling. Like this one thing that shocked me, that upset me, that frustrated me, kind of led to another. And then I just found myself going, what have I got myself into? This is my own fault. I never should have risked this. I never should have done this. I never should have made this decision. What was I thinking? And it led to regret. And made me think, man, I just kind of want to bail on this whole thing. Like, I just want to go home, pretend like it never happened, and go a different route. We have all experienced a time in our life where we set goals, we had a hope for something, we were excited about something, and there was something we were looking forward to. And then all of a sudden, reality just smacks us in the face, and those things that seemed so exciting, those goals that we were so excited to pursue, all of a sudden, we began regretting that we had ever even thought about going in this direction. 
And that's where I found myself. And I know we found ourselves. Maybe it was something as simple as you had this great ambition that you were going to get in shape and you were going to uh, go to the gym every morning. And then at 630 in the morning, when your alarm goes off, you start thinking, what was I thinking? This was a terrible idea. And what started with great intentions now causes worry and frustration and regret. And this is a simple thing, you know, maybe it's even laughable, the idea that we make a New Year's resolution and people don't follow through on it, and that's pretty common. But I'm sure we've also experienced more serious things in life where we really, we hoped for something, we had a dream, we were excited about something, and we had the best intentions, and we were committed. We were going to make it happen. And then the person we depended on, they back out on us, they leave us hanging, someone does you wrong, something doesn't work out the way you planned it to, Uh, You have a bad day on top of another bad day on top of another bad day. You're stressed about these other things that are going on. And then all of a sudden, what seemed like a great idea and you had great intentions and you really were determined to make it happen, all of a sudden turns to regret and frustration and fear and worry. And when you started out with the best of intentions, you never would have realized that these things, this series of events that happened could be the undoing of what was once a great plan. The reality is, is this happens to all of us from time to time. We, we face setbacks. We face adversity. We face things uh, that cause us to sometimes be derailed from the plans we had. And Jesus knew that this was going to happen. God looked out through time, and he knew that we were going to face difficulties, that life was not going to go as planned, that it was not always going to be smooth sailing, that we weren't always going to have clear skies, and that things were going to happen. And that as human beings, that we were going to be affected by things. Our emotions are going to be affected by things when they don't go well or when people hurt us or when things go wrong. God knew that we were going to be affected and that no matter how great our intentions or how perfect our plan, that we were sometimes going to be thrown off course because curveballs would be thrown our way and even our best plans were sometimes going to end in frustration. And Jesus when he's talking to his disciples in in the book of Luke chapter 6, where we're going to look at tonight, he is anticipating and he's trying to prepare us that these days are going to come, that everything is not always going to be smooth sailing, and some days we're just going to get punched in the gut. But he doesn't want it to end there. He, He doesn't want us to be subject to the whims of our emotion or how disappointed we might be, but he's he's telling us what it looks like to be faithful even in times of difficulty, even in times when we just want to go home and take a nap. So in Luke chapter 6, we read this, Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, it says this, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke out against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. You see, Jesus was talking to people who had seen him in the flesh. 
These are people who had seen Jesus open up blinded eyes. These are people who had seen Jesus raise the dead and heal the sick. They had seen the water turn to wine. These people had seen Jesus in the flesh. They saw and ate the bread and fish that he had multiplied. They sat and listened with their own ears as he delivered the Sermon on the Mount. They weren't just reading about Jesus in the Bible. They weren't just listening to some preacher's sermon about who Jesus was, but they had actually seen Jesus in the flesh. They had all all the assurances that Jesus was real and that this gospel was powerful. But still, Jesus felt the need to warn those people, to tell those people about the dangers of calling him Lord but not really being anchored to the point that they could obey the things that he said. And Jesus is speaking to those people, and he's giving them this warning. So how much more does this warning of difficult times and what will happen if we are not really anchored, how much more does that apply to us today? Now, when Jesus is giving this uh, analogy to to these followers, he talks about uh, those who hear his word and do the things that he's encouraged or taught us to do, those are the people who have dug deep and found the foundation. You know, oftentimes we really like to do things out of convenience. Uh, When things are difficult, when things uh, require more effort, they tend to be left undone. Uh, Sometimes I think maybe that's why the unreached people of the world are still unreached because it's just really difficult to reach them. And so those tends to things tend to be left undone. When we were building our house and they told us it was going to require extra work and extra money uh, to be able to lay the foundation properly, uh, what they needed to do is they actually needed to dig down three feet around the entire area where the house was and then another eight feet wider um, around that area. And they would dig out this huge, huge, gigantic hole and move the sand out of the way. And they would bring in several, several dump truck loads, I think maybe 12 dump truck loads of red clay and pack that in and they would put it in eight inches at a time and uh, wet it and pack it and wet it and pack it eight inches at a time for three feet deep all the way around the entire place where the house was going to sit until they had basically created this giant uh, rock out of hardened red clay. It was a lot of work. And to be honest, we actually looked for a cheaper option because it was going to be time-consuming. It was going to delay the finish of our house. It was going to cost us a lot more money than we had hoped to spend and what we had already been approved for a loan. And we even looked for people who might could uh, tell us different news or build a house a different way so that we didn't have to incur uh, this delay, this expense, this terrible inconvenience. But at the end of the day, we decided that it really wasn't um, the right way for us to go, that we wanted to build the house right. But oftentimes in our Christian walk, we settle for convenience rather than building ourselves on the true foundation of Jesus. We we maybe choose the path in life out of convenience. We choose where we're going to worship and who we're going to spend time with based on who looks like us or dresses like us or has common interests as us or likes the same songs that we like. We choose important things based on superficial decisions. And sometimes we choose that way because we don't really want to have to dig deep. We don't really want to have to move things out of the way because we like where we're at. We like the comfortable things. Sometimes we don't really want to be anchored to Jesus because that means letting go and moving other things out of the way. Sometimes in order to be anchored to Jesus, 
We have to remove the unforgiveness and the bitterness and the hurt that's in the way. And that's a difficult and sometimes time-consuming and painful thing. And we don't really always want to do those things. And so we settle for what's convenient and from what's easy. And what we see for what Jesus is saying is that those that do that, when difficult times come, they're not anchored to anything. And they collapse. They buckle under us. Those easy friendships, those easy things that we do, we often pay for them in the end because when we really need them to be there for us, they're not there because they weren't really anchored to anything at all. And tonight, I want to ask you this question. Are you anchored to Jesus? Are you anchored to Jesus? Now, that may seem like a silly question for people um, who are, are listening to a sermon because, you know, you're listening to the sermon because maybe you already believe in Jesus or you already even took the trouble to, to take the time to listen to a sermon. And so who's going to do that unless they already believe in Jesus? And you think, of course I believe in Jesus. But what Jesus is saying is he's talking to people who are literally physically following him. They literally physically showed up to hear Jesus say these words. And Jesus is saying even to these people that some of them, he said, I'm warning you that some of you are are hearing what I'm saying and you're listening and you're believing, but you're not doing. And he said, you're like someone who's not planted on a firm foundation. And I think there are a lot of people who are listening, even right now, who would identify themselves as Christian. They would say, yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But the reality is, is they're not anchored to the person of Jesus. Maybe they're anchored to the idea of Christianity. Maybe they're anchored uh, to Christian community and their Christian friends or a Christian subculture or a certain idea about being forgiven, but they're not actually anchored to the person of Jesus. And I believe that, that, that what Jesus is telling us here in this passage in Luke is that there are some things that we need to do, that those that, that don't just hear my word but do them, those are the ones that are really have dug down and they have a firm foundation. And when when difficult time comes, when they get punched in the gut, when, when their best laid plans lay in ruin, those are the people who are going to persevere, who are going to see the other side and are going to be eventually fruitful. So tonight, I want to ask you, are you truly anchored to Jesus? Or are you just anchored to some convenient things? Is your faith, the faith of convenience, of ease, of um, popular decisions of what everybody else that you know is doing? Or is this a true, real, foundational level of commitment to Jesus? Tonight, I want to close here by giving you three anchors, three things that are going to anchor you. You see, what they did is after they packed in all that red clay and they built this kind of rock-hard foundation, they didn't just sit the house on top of it. What they did is they came in with a backhoe and they dug this trench all the way around and they put these steel rods called rebar all through these uh, trenches they dug and they poured in concrete to anchor the foundation of the house into this rock hard foundation that they had built. They anchored it in. And, and you know, we, we need anchors and Jesus has given us anchors to hold tight to his foundation so that when things don't go well, when people disappoint us, when we fail ourselves, when we have worry or regret or fear or anxiety, that, that we're not going to collapse under the weight of that, 
but that we're going to be anchored in Jesus. So these three anchors tonight that I want to give you, uh, I believe they're going to help you. I think they're going to guide you for the rest of your life, definitely for your time here at Troy. The first anchor is real devotion. Now, we've kind of already talked about this. So yeah, yeah, devotional. Yeah, I read a devotional one time or, or I know what that means. But I, I want to maybe explain a little bit more of what I'm saying. I, I'm saying real devotion to the person of Jesus. Real devotion to the person of Jesus. Not, not just an affinity towards this historical figure written about in a sacred text, but real devotion to Jesus, the man from Nazareth. You see, Jesus was a real person. The, the Apostles' Creed uh, puts it this way. It says, He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death. And on the third day he rose again, he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. And I talked to him this morning. This idea that Jesus is not just an idea or a concept or a bunch of rules that I grew up with. It's not a bunch of doctrine that I learned in church. But Jesus is a person that I have a meaningful connection, a meaningful devotion to. That, that I believe that he really is close to me and I, I know that he is close to me. And when times are difficult, he's there for me and I can talk to him and I can tell him what I'm feeling and I can tell him my frustrations and my fears and he can handle it and he speaks back to me and I can hear his voice and I can follow his voice that even in the darkest place, I know that Jesus is with me. When I say real devotion, I, I don't mean you read from a devotional but I mean you have a real devotion to the person of Jesus. Real devotion is actual commitment to the person of Jesus, not just the idea of Christianity. The next anchor I want to give you is real community. Now, community is a really fun word, and I know uh, we all like the idea of community. Maybe some of you have this idea that, okay, when I finish college, I'm going to go and I'm going to give back to my community, to the people who lived where I grew up. Or, you know, we want to, to feel, you know, a presence of community where we think about, you know, fun things and people going to barbecues and a lot of different ideas. And community is maybe a really popular thing. We even call different groups of people that have different affinities, you know, like a certain online community or a certain community based on this interest group. And we, we kind of throw the word community around in our culture. And I just want to be really clear. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say real community, I'm talking about something deeper, something not superficial. You see, it's like I said earlier, it's really easy for us to gather together in groups of people who just happen to live in the same area or who happen to have the common interests or dress the same or be a part of the same subculture or, or in what other, other way have similar affinities to us. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the type of commitment that the early church experienced when Paul had this group of people who were willing to face adversity and hardship, that were willing to travel within to unknown lands, who were committed to one another, to love one another, regardless of what was happening on the surface. That's the type of community that we need. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, verse 9 and 10, it says this, Two are better than one, 
because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Listen, it is a lie from the pit of hell that you are better off on your own. It is a lie that the enemy wants you to believe, to isolate you, to make you alone. Because the reality is, is one day a storm's going to come. One day something bad's going to happen. Someone's going to let you down. Something's going to do... Someone's going to do you wrong. You're going to fall on your face and embarrass yourself in front of everyone. And in that moment, you're going to have fear or regret or worry. And you're going to have this temptation to bail on the things God's called you to be or the things God's called you to do. And you're going to be tempted to look for an easy way out. But in that moment, if you're alone, who's going to help you up? Who's going to help you? You see, those superficial relationships that were simply based on how you look or how you act or how you dress, those people are not going to be there for you. They're going to bail on you. True Christian community is something that we all need. We need people who care enough about us to look us dead in the eye and say, listen, right now, you're not being logical. Right now, you're not being rational. Right now, you're not following through on your own principles and ideas to remind us of who our God is and who we are and who we want to be. People who care about us enough that they might even smack us in the back of the head and say, what are you thinking? We need those types of relationships. We need that type of community to see us through the difficult times in our life. One day, your marriage is going to be difficult and you're going to have an argument. You're going to need someone who will help you figure out how to do this the right way. You're going to come to an important juncture in your life where you have to make a difficult decision. You're going to need someone to remind you of the valuable values and principles that are the foundation of your faith. We need those people in our lives. We need that community in our lives as an anchor to help us in our journey with Jesus. Real community is based on our mutual commitment to Jesus as Lord and not on the positive qualities or common interests of the people around us. The third anchor that I want to give you tonight is real responsibility. Now, I know that responsibility is not a fun word and nobody's like, yes, more responsibility. That's what I've always wanted. Because sometimes we kind of have this negative idea about responsibility. But I want to try to convince you tonight that responsibility is not a bad thing, that responsibility is not a bad word, but it's actually something that is good and necessary, and it is an anchor that keeps us anchored in Jesus. You see, once upon a time, you were a small person, and when you were a small person, you were loud and noisy and smelly, and at some point in your life, you woke up at 2 a.m. screaming because you were hungry or you needed to be changed, and these people felt responsible for you. Maybe it was your parents or maybe someone else in your life that loved you and cared about you, but they felt responsible enough for your well-being that they got out of bed at 2 a.m., even though they didn't feel like it. Maybe, maybe they felt like just shouting, go back to sleep, or maybe they were frustrated, or maybe they were tired, and maybe... Maybe they had had a lot and it had been, you know, the 10th night in a row that they had woken up with you to feed you or to change you or whatever, but they felt a responsibility and you're here today because someone took responsibility for you when you couldn't do things on your own. And I know this isn't pleasant to think about, but one day those same people, they're going to get old 
And they're going to need someone to take responsibility for them, to take care of them. And I hope, I hope that you're going to feel a sense of responsibility to your parents or or to those who've taken care of you, maybe your grandparents. You're going to feel a sense of responsibility, not out of obligation, not because someone's, you know, making you do it. It's not this guilt or even duty that is in a negative light, but it's it's that you care about those people that cared about you, that you will feel that responsibility to make sure that they're taken care of. You know, Paul says that those who won't take care of their own family, that they're worse than unbelievers. Responsibility is a biblical thing. It's a godly thing. We need real responsibility. You know, if more fathers and husbands felt responsibility for their families, our world would look very different right now. A lot of the brokenness and pain and difficulty we have in our life is because men have not taken responsibility for the people around them, for their family, that we haven't taken responsibility for our actions and the way we treat other people. Responsibility is not a bad thing because responsibility means we care. Listen, I feel a responsibility every time that I stand to preach the gospel. I have a responsibility to Jesus himself to honor him and represent him rightly, not because I'm afraid he's going to come down and smite me if I do it wrong, but because I care about him and because I care about you. I have a responsibility. And sometimes I don't really feel like coming here and preaching a message. Like sometimes I just had a really bad day. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And maybe uh, my wife had a bad day at work and my kids had a bad day at school. And there's just all these things that I would just rather go home and eat dinner and go to bed. Like I just don't feel like it. But there is this responsibility that says, this is a sacred thing that the Lord has entrusted me with. So I'm going to do my very, very, very best because people are counting on me. It's the same. Sometimes I feel like I'm not qualified. Sometimes I I don't even know if I'm worthy to stand in front of you and attempt to teach you from God's word. But I have a responsibility to try, even if I fall short, even if I mess up, even if I misspeak, even if it turns out I was wrong about something I taught you. I have a responsibility to try and know that God is going to help me where I lack. So real responsibility is loving and caring about the people and things of God enough to act when I need to. You see, real responsibility is really the result of real community and real devotion to Jesus. If I'm really devoted to Jesus, then I'll care about the things of his kingdom and I'll feel responsible. And if I'm really committed to real community, I'm going to care about the well-being of the others in my community because I'm connected to them. My own spiritual health is connected to their well-being. And so the natural outflow of real community and real devotion is real responsibility. Because when I have those things and things get difficult and I have a bad day or you do something stupid or you hurt my feelings, whatever happens, I'm not going to bail on you. I'm not going to throw in the towel. I'm not going to be washed away like the house built without a foundation because I'm anchored to the rock of my salvation. I'm anchored to Jesus. And no matter what the enemy throws at me, I'm still going to be here. The kingdom's still going to be built. We're still going to find a way to have fellowship with one another 
because that's what Jesus wants for us. That's what his word teaches us. And we need to not just be people who start well, not just people who make commitments like we make New Year's resolutions. God is not calling us to be people who just give lip service to his word, who just start out with good intentions. But we need to be people who finish well, that when things are difficult, we still do the things that Jesus has called us to do because we are anchored in him, we are devoted to him, we are committed to him, and we have purpose. We have purpose in him. So we're anchored in him. Today, we all, we all must make a decision. What are we going to be anchored to? Are we going to be anchored to entertainment? Are we going to be anchored to convenience? Are we going to be anchored to people whose approval we want, who boost our ego? Are we going to be anchored to things that make us feel temporary joy or importance or significance of some time? Are we going to be anchored to Jesus? Enough to obey him when it's difficult, enough to follow his will for our life when it doesn't make sense to us? Are we going to choose the things that Jesus would choose for us even when they're not convenient? Or are we going to let the storms of life and our own emotions drag us around? See, here's the reality is all of us are subject to our emotions. Just go a few days without sleep and then ask the people around you if they notice anything different. The reality is, is your lack of sleep, it changes your mood. When bad things happen in your life, it changes your mood. And when our mood is off, when our emotions are all over the place, it's very difficult to stay the course. I know in our society, we it's kind of the popular thing to do, to talk about our feelings and, and do what feels right to you. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, don't be like that person who just does what's convenient or just bases their decisions off their feelings. Base your actions off of me. Jesus says, base your direction and your course for life off of me. And in order for us to have any hope of doing that, we must be anchored in him through real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. So as you listen to this, I would presume, and I hope it's okay that I presume, but I think there are three different types of people that are listening. There are some of you who are saying, yes, I am anchored in Jesus. I've already made a choice to have a real devotional life. I've already... Um, I'm looking for real community, and I I feel responsibility to build the kingdom, and I just need to find the place to do that. And if that's you, listen, you need to get plugged into a small group. That's where you're going to find real community. You need to, to join a service team, to, to serve in a tangible place where there's real responsibility, not just, oh, I'll do a little bit of good here and a little good a little bit of good there, but a place where you're really having responsibility, that you're invested in the people in your community. So I want to encourage you to, to, to volunteer for a service team, join a small group, and continue your daily devotional life and be committed to the person of Jesus. There's this second group of people that are listening to me that, sure, you consider yourself to be a Christian and you maybe even know some Bible verses or you even know some doctrines of the church. But for you, the idea of Real devotion to the person of Jesus is kind of strange. Maybe no one ever taught you about this. Maybe it's never even mentioned to you that maybe you should read the Bible or talk to Jesus on a regular basis. You've never thought, oh, yeah, I should sign up and volunteer to serve in some tangible way in the body of Christ so that the body of Christ can be better off because I'm here. Maybe those things are new to you, 
Maybe you never thought, oh, I should do something other than just attend a worship service on Sunday morning. It's okay. You don't know what you don't know. And maybe you've known, but you just haven't had the right chance in your life to make that decision. Today, I want to encourage you to make that commitment to be 100% anchored in Jesus, that you're going to dig out or let Jesus dig out whatever's in the way that you're going to anchor into the bedrock, the foundation that is Jesus in a real tangible way. And you're going to begin to have a real devotion to Jesus. Maybe you're going to ask your small group leader to help you figure out where do I start reading the Bible or how do I pray because I'm not really sure how to pray. Ask those questions. We want to answer those questions. And then you're going to get plugged into a small group and maybe even serve on a service team. I want to encourage you, if that's you and you're in that group of people, do those things. And then there's this third group of people that you don't even really understand why you're listening to me preach right now. You don't even understand why this is a thing. I don't know. Maybe you just got lost or for whatever reason, here you are. You're not even sure how you feel about Jesus. And this is what I would say. We welcome your questions. You don't know what you don't know. Let's have a conversation about who Jesus is to you and what you believe about Jesus and and what he means for your life. You can still go to a small group even if you don't believe in Jesus. You can still find ways to worship Jesus even if you're not 100% sure what you believe about him. But I want to ask you to take a step. Take some step. Begin asking questions. Begin asking Jesus to reveal himself to you. Regardless of where you're at, uh, we want to encourage you to respond if God's speaking to you. Uh, on our website, you can go to troykyalpha.com slash connect. There's a connect card. Uh, however you feel like you need to respond, you can respond uh, in that way, and we'll see that message. And if you want us to follow up with you, we're going to follow up. If you check the box that says, no, I don't want you to follow up. I just want you to pray for me, and we'll just pray for you. But I would encourage you to respond in some way to however Jesus is speaking to you. And I want to encourage you to take some time and really ask yourself, am I anchored in Jesus? Or maybe ask it this way, Jesus, how do you want me to be anchored in you? Are there things I need to remove from my life so that I can be properly anchored to you? Are there some things that I need to dig out to get down to the foundation that you want for me? And I trust that the Lord will speak to you. And as he does, I encourage you to be obedient, to take those next steps in being anchored in Jesus. Let me pray for you before we end. Lord, I pray for everyone who's listening right now that you would speak to them, that you would show them what it looks like to be anchored, that you would show them the things that you want to remove, the pain or the bitterness or the grudge or the frustration or doubt. Lord, that you would show them what you want to dig out. And Lord God, that you would show them what the next step is for them to be anchored in you so that when life throws them a curveball, when difficult times come, when storms hit, that they will not be derailed, that they will not be thrown off course, but they will be anchored steadfast in you. And the thing that you are building in them will not collapse, but you will see it through because they're anchored in you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Troy Chi Alpha podcast. For more information about the ministry of Troy Chi Alpha, you can look us up online at troychialpha.com. 
you can email us at troychialpha at gmail.com or find us on social media at Troy Thanks for listening. Thank you.